And if you would, take your copy of God's Word and make your way to John chapter 4. And I want you to mark your spot when you get there. And then I want you to put it in reverse. Do we have any Terry's in the house tonight? I just thought I had to ask. You know, take your shot, right? Tate doesn't get it. He's like, well, what are we talking about? Put it in reverse and find your way to Genesis chapter 12. So we're going to be working two different passages tonight. John chapter 4 and Genesis chapter 12. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 12 and then we're going to jump over to John chapter 4 and we're going to come back to Genesis 12 and we're going to go back to John 4 and then we're going to stay in John 4 and we're going to go back to Genesis chapter 12. So we're going to jump around a little bit tonight between these two passages, mixing a little bit of the old in with the new tonight. Are you ready for the Word of God? I hope so. I'm ready. I've been waiting all day to give this to you guys that God's placed on my heart over the past week in preparation for this. So here we go. John, or excuse me, Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1. The scripture says, Now the Lord said to Abram, tell somebody sitting next to you, it's just a word. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. Now jump back over to John chapter 4, starting in verse 43 or 46. God's word here says, So he came to Cana in Galilee, he being Jesus, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was a official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said, to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And the official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, Tell the other person that you didn't talk to the first time, it's just a word. Go, your son will live. And the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live, and he himself believed, and all his household. It's just the word. That's the subject through which I feel God has led me to speak to you tonight. So we've just been introduced to two different stories, separated by a couple of thousand years, but with remarkably similar storylines, as we're going to see as we work through them. In Genesis, Abram received a call from God. In John, the official needed a work of God. 
But both instances, all these men got was a word spoken by God. The Lord said to Abram, Jesus said to the official, and it's interesting because as I studied these passages, I began to realize whether it's a received call from God or a needed work of God in our lives, most of the time all we get is a word. There's no master plan. There's no blueprint. There's no step-by-step process. It's just a word that he speaks into us, and it's what we do with that word that he speaks that's important. So I believe there's some of us here tonight, and you've asked God to do a work in your life, or he's placed a call on your life, but all you got was a word from him. And ever since that time, you haven't been exactly sure what to do with it since then. It's just a word. And it may not be much, but it's enough to go on. And I hopefully want to help you guys see how that's true using these examples from Scripture that God has given us tonight. So when all that God gives you is a word, number one, you have to let faith push you forward. Let faith push you forward. Both Abram and the official only got a word spoken to them. When the Lord showed up, when he appeared to Abram, he said, go from your country, go from your kindred, go from your father's house, leave all this behind. I'm going to show you a land. You're going to be a blessing, and I will make a great nation to come from you. When Jesus spoke to the official who was in dire need because his son was dying, he cries out to Jesus, Jesus, I need you to come and heal my son. He's sick. All Jesus gave him was a word, go, your son will live. And even though it wasn't much to go on, because I found that a lot of times in our lives, God may say go, but he doesn't give you much to go on. So even though he speaks the word and it's not much to go on, these guys let their faith push them forward because that's just what it does. Faith pushes forward. Faith is what enables you to take a step that you don't think is worth taking or you don't even see something to stand upon when you take that step. Faith pushes us Forward. So in Genesis 12, 4, we see that when God spoke and told Abram to go, it says, so Abram went as the Lord told him. It was just a word. But he went. The same thing in John chapter 4 and verse 50. This guy shows up and he asks Jesus to heal his son. And all Jesus does is give him a word. Go, your son will live. And in John 4, 50, it says, the man believed the word Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. Both of them went. Jesus said, go, both of them went, but it took great faith for them to push forward in that moment when all Jesus gave them was a word to go on. But I want you to notice, because these stories are very similar, but they're also different in the situation that these two men were facing. Abram was leaving home, but the official was returning home. But what I want you to understand is when you're following God, it doesn't matter if you're leaving or returning. Both require faith. Abram was going to a place of promise. But the official was returning to a place of pain. But can I tell you that if God tells you to go, there are benefits to both. There's benefits to both. It doesn't matter if he's leading you into a place of promise or if he is asking you to return to a place of pain. If God is telling you to do so and you are obedient to follow his leadership, there are benefits to both. Abram would experience blessing. God promised him that and he would see it come to fruition in his life. 
But the official experienced healing. There's benefits to both. But the thing is, that might not have happened if they had not let faith push them forward. God already had the miracle in place. When he showed up to tell Abram that this is what he was going to do with his life, the miracle was already in place. When this official showed up to ask Jesus to heal his son, the miracle was already in place. But here's what I want you to realize tonight. Some miracles only get activated by movement. It was already in place. But Abram had to move. The miracle was already in place for the official son to be healed. But he had to move. He had to go back home. Some miracles only get activated by your movement. I'll bless you in a new land, Abram, but you've got to leave this one. Your son will live, but you've got to go back home. Some of you have miracles already in place tonight that God's going to work out in your life. He's just waiting on you to move. You've asked God to do a work in your life, in your friends, in your family, and all He gave you was a word. Some of you guys place a specific calling on your life, whether it be to missions, whether it be to ministry, whether it be a specific career, whether it be a, can I say this? It'll freak you out one day when you get to the graduation point, a career change. And all he gave you was a word. And it doesn't seem like much to go on. And when you don't have much to go on, that's when faith has to push you forward. It's not much, but it's enough. Let faith push you forward. But the flip side of this is I want to warn you, don't let comfort cause you to cling. Faith pushes forward, but comfort causes clinging. And you need to be careful about this. Both of these men had to move past what was comfortable. In Genesis chapter 12, at the very last part of verse 4 and the beginning of verse 5, it says that Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. Both of these men had to move past what was comfortable. Abram was leaving behind all that he had known for 75 years. Imagine all that you had known. Imagine you lived in the same place for 75 years. You've been going to the same coffee shop for 75 years. You've been going to the same gym, shooting ball with the same bros for 75 years. I don't know, maybe in Abram's case, you had sat on the front porch of the local nursing home for the past several years with the same people, and now all of a sudden you've got to move? Talk about uncomfortable The same was true for the official. It might just be a little bit harder to see. And you might think, well, what comfort was the official leaving behind? Well, he was leaving behind Jesus' presence. He shows up to Jesus, Jesus' physical presence, and he begins to ask Jesus to work a miracle in his son's life to bring healing. And Jesus says, go, your son will live. I would imagine he probably would have felt a little bit better if Jesus would have said, okay, show me where you live. And it probably ran through his mind, how come Jesus isn't going to come with me? You know the reason why he asked Jesus to heal his son, right? Because he had heard the stories of how Jesus had healed other people. 
And so we had heard the stories how these people had gone to Jesus and asked for healing, and Jesus either physically touched the person that was asking, or he went with them to the place where somebody was sick. So when this guy shows up, Jesus says, go, your son will live. He's probably thinking, all right, are you coming with Jesus? Like you... I mean, what's the deal? How come you're going to go to all these other places? How come you're going to visit all these other houses and not go with me? I would imagine that he had to sacrifice some comfort in the fact that he was leaving Jesus' present behind and going on a word. Both men had to leave comforts behind. And one thing that God has taught me in the past and the present is that comfort causes clinging. We get comfortable and we start to clean because that's what we know and it's familiar to us. I know this job, I know these people, I know this place, I'm comfortable. This is safe to me. This is familiar for me. This is what I get. This is what I understand. This is what I'm used to. This is what I'm good at. And before you realize it, comfort has you clinging to a person or a place or an object. And I know... I know what you might be thinking. Well, Trey, I thought God wants me to be comfortable. I mean, come on, 1 Corinthians. He's the God of all comfort. I thought God wants me to be comfortable. Yes, you're right. He is the God of all comfort. But can I make a suggestion to you? Comfortable people don't need comforting. It's the ones that leave comfort behind that need a comforter. Comfortable people don't need a comforter. You know, the thing is that this is dangerous ground in some respects because we're about to expose a lie of the enemy. And he's not going to like it. But there's nothing he can do about it. Satan twists the principle of comfort in our minds to a wrong understanding. Because here's the thing. He would rather you stay in comfort than move into blessing. Hello? He would rather you stay in comfort then move into blessing. Abram. He, he would... I can't stand our enemy. He's a dirty fighter. He's a liar. He's a cheat. He's a murderer. Here's the thing. He's, so, he's such a low ball. He would rather you stay and get comfortable with your pain than receive healing. Some of you have got pain in this room that you've internalized for so long that you've just learned to be comfortable with it. But can I, tell you, can I set you free tonight in the name of Jesus? God doesn't want you to get comfortable with the pain of your past. He wants you to heal you. To bring healing into your life from the pain of your past. But Satan wants you to be comfortable. And unfortunately, as Christians, man, we have become just the epitome of comfort in so many ways. I mean, we went to the mattress store. We got the sleep number mattress. We got the memory foam topper on top of it. We got the Redland cotton sheets. We got a my pillow and about seven others on the bed with us. We're comfortable. We're sleeping good at night. That alarm goes off in the morning, and man, it take an act of God or the jaws of life to pry you off of your pillow. We're comfortable. And as a result of that, we're clinging. And in the process, we're missing out on blessing. It may be just a word that God spoke, but he never speaks without purpose. You can look all throughout Scripture 
Every time God decides to open his mouth, there is a purpose behind his statement. Even from the beginning in creation, every word he spoke had a purpose behind it. And it's no different today. When he speaks into your life, there is a purpose behind it. Can I tell you why I think he speaks? I think he speaks a word because he's already set in motion a work. God speaks a word into our lives because he's already set in motion a work that he has for us to experience and to prosper in. Don't miss out on blessing. Don't miss out on healing. Don't miss out on miracles because you won't let go of comfort. And this is a hard one. I get it. Imagine how hard it was once again for Abram to leave a place that he had known for 75 years his whole life and to go somewhere that God wouldn't even show him. Yet. Hey, Abram, why don't you leave all this place behind and go somewhere that I will show you later on. Hey, your son will live, but I'm not going to go back home with you. Let go of your comfort. Faith pushes forward. Comfort causes clinging. But there's one last encouragement that I want to leave you with tonight when you're just going on a word. And that's the fact that there's assurance that comes through appearance. Going back to Abram's account in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 5 at the last part of the verse, listen, it says, When they came to the land of Canaan, so Abram has left behind everything that he's known. He's left his homeland behind. He's left his family behind, and they're traveling. And it says that when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Back to John chapter 4. What's going on in the life of the official with the dying son? Verse 51. He's asked Jesus to heal his son. Jesus says, go, your son will live, but I'm not going with you. And it says that as he was going down, so... The man has faithfully left the presence of Jesus and he's returning back to his home where his once sick son was. Says, As he was going down, his servants met him. His servants appeared and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, which would be around one o'clock, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus said to him, Your son will live, and he himself believed in all his household. As Abram was faithfully moving from what he had always known to where he had never been, God reappeared and reassured. So it's not that God leaves you hanging in the balance. Abram decided to push forward in faith, not knowing exactly what God had in store for him. And after he had traveled for a little while, he comes to the land of Canaan, and he hadn't heard from God since God showed up and told him to leave the first time. So God speaks a word in his life, 
Abram decides to be obedient and in faith to push forward in it, leaving his comforts behind. And he's been faithfully following ever since. And then all of a sudden, God reappears and reassures him. Hey, just as you're passing by, Abram, I want you to take a mental snapshot of Canaan right here because this is the land that I'm going to give your offspring. It was a reassurance. The same thing is true in the life of the official. As he faithfully moved back towards his home, his servants all of a sudden appeared on the road as he was going back. And it's just funny, you know, because his servants could have just stayed at home and waited for him to get there. Most of the time, the, the only reason people would travel in cases of sickness was to deliver urgent news that someone is about to die. These guys were traveling to find their master with urgent news to tell him not that his son was dying, but that he was recovering. Why didn't they just stay at home? Sooner or later, he would have figured that out for himself. It was a reassurance from God. The servant showed up, and this guy was reassured that he was doing the right thing, that his faith was helping to push him through, you know, because what I'm trying to tell you guys is that God always has a way of bringing you assurance during the assignment. There's always assurance that comes during the assignment because it's always the in-between that gets the most intense, right? And here's what I mean by that in case you don't fully understand. It's, it's the in-between that's the most intense. It's that time between when the word was spoken and when it becomes fulfilled. When you're in between your old home and the new one. When you're in between the healer and the healing. That's when it gets intense. It's during the in-between that doubt and uncertainty creep in. But God sends assurance through an appearance. It's a subtle encouragement that you get all of a sudden, right? It's, it's deciding that I don't know exactly how it's going to work out, but I know God's put this calling upon my life, and so in faith I'm going to push forward in it. And then you get a subtle encouragement from somebody all of a sudden. Then all of a sudden you, you, you realize that lives are being impacted along the way, that it's not just you that's being impacted, it's the lives that God has placed around you that are being impacted as well. It's that subtle reassurance that, hey, I'm moving in the right direction. Hey, I wasn't crazy when God showed up and he said this thing and I've been following it ever since. It's the subtle little encouragement. It's the subtle little reminders. It's, it's little progress being made along the way. It's the fact that God allows you to see something every now and then. He brings assurance through appearance. It's just the word. Sometimes it gets hard in the in-between places. But that's when God in his faithfulness so often sends assurance your way. It's kind of a side note. But when, when Abram stopped, it says that he built an altar to the Lord after God reappeared to him. And when he stopped and they made camp the next time, it says that they were in between two cities. One was Bethel. The other one was Ai. Bethel means house of God. But Ai means heap of ruins. And most of the time, that's how it works out in our lives. Each and every day you wake up, you find yourself in between a choice. I can make my way towards the house of God 
or I can make a decision that will lead me into a heap of ruins. And God in his goodness and his mercy and his kindness so oftentimes will send us a little reassurance. Hey, just remember, Bethel's on the west. And that's where my presence is. The Lord said to Abram, Jesus said to the official, it's just a word. It's just a word. I think God has given some of you a word, but you haven't been real sure what to do with it. Can I encourage you? Push forward in faith. Don't cling to comfort. Let him assure you it's time to move.